I remember when the first trailer came out for Battlefield 1, I was very skeptical. The game was set in World War 1. Who wants to play in that time period? You know, Battlefield already made a name for themselves in the modern era and even in World War 2. But going back even farther than that seemed like a risky move. To go from fighter jets and German Tiger tanks to the world's first ever big, slow, bulky tank and rifles that were just a little bit better than the Civil War era... This was asking a lot, but this game actually blew my mind and exceeded my expectations. And no, they didn't create an authentic World War I simulator, but they did set the tone with the intensity and the grittiness of combat in both the campaign and multiplayer. The game has become my favorite Battlefield game of all time, and the reason for that is because I think the game ended up being successful in basically all areas. I really have no complaints with this game. The campaign, aka War Stories, were awesome, the multiplayer was fun for many reasons, and the live service was damn near perfect. I know DICE has bounced back recently with 2042, but it is still frustrating to see how far they had to fall before picking themselves back up. I think DICE should have looked back at Battlefield 1 and built off of that game's success when developing both Battlefield 5 and 2042. It's crazy because it seems like Battlefield hasn't been the same since Battlefield 1. And personally, I think Battlefield 1 is a perfect example of a game to copy the blueprint in all areas when making the next Battlefield title. So today, I want to take a trip back down memory lane and take a look at Battlefield 1 and point out the many great things that this game had. Battlefield 1's single-player mode was called War Stories, and it was awesome. This was the first time they tried out a campaign of this style. They created six different stories, including the prologue, which took players to multiple fronts throughout the conflict. Storm of Steel was the first mission. The prologue set the tone early. There was a genuine effort put forth to both show and explain just how horrific this war was. The gameplay was intense, and the look of the game was horrific too, and not in a bad way, but the color scheme indicated how dirty and bloody the battlefield got. And there was a nice nod to the Harlem Hellfighters, which was a regiment that was made up of mostly African Americans. And then in the next mission, Through Mud and Blood, you play as Danny Edwards, who is a new recruit in a British tank crew. Not only does Danny have to fight the Germans, but he has to struggle with a broken tank and deal with his crewmates that don't trust him. The gameplay was intense again, and the tank combat perspective was really cool. The most memorable part was when the crew released a pigeon to get a message to command. They ended up slowing down the pace of the game as you're watching the bird, I think you got to control the bird too, as flying above the battlefield, the music was awesome. It was just a really emotional and well done part of the campaign. Again, you could tell the developers aimed to make an emotional experience and not a Call of Duty action hero experience. Then another mission called Friends in High Places takes you from a tank and sends you up into the sky flying in the Royal Flying Corps. You spend time dogfighting, then you crash and sneak around enemy lines. Overall, the aerial combat was fun and the story ends in a crazy way where you're battling against Zeppelins. Avante Savoia, if I'm saying that right, puts the players in the shoes of an Italian soldier who fights in the Italian Alps while searching for his twin brother. Two parts stood out in this mission. First off, you don a suit of armor and walk around with a machine gun during some intense gameplay. And then, the ending is very sad, hits you in the feels when you find your brother dead at the end of the battle. The character's narration at the end still resonates in my mind. This quote specifically. He never got older, yet I am still here. Who decides such things? 
The Runner is another mission where you are put in the boots of Frederick Bishop, a message runner for the Australian and New Zealand armies. Bishop takes a recruit named Jack Foster and takes him under his wing during the Battle of Gallipoli, which was basically World War I's version of D-Day. They eventually have to go assault an Ottoman fortress, and they have to retreat, and Foster fires a flare for a bombardment. Bishop stays to fight at the fort. Bishop is gravely wounded, and Foster successfully fires the flare, and Bishop unfortunately dies from his wounds as he watches the artillery strike come in. And then you have Nothing is Ridden, which is the sixth and final mission. You assume the role of Zara Gufran, a rebel who works directly with the legendary Lawrence of Arabia, and the highlights from this mission include sneaking around an enemy base and destroying an armored train. Overall, the war stories were intense, emotional, fun, and over the top at times. I hope to see Battlefield return to this mode in future installments. They did this again in Battlefield 5 with World War II stories. I don't think it was as impactful as in Battlefield 1, but I still appreciate the fact that they tried that formula again. I think it works. So let's shift over to the multiplayer. Online was a lot of fun. The depiction of World War I in this game, like I said earlier, is not 100% accurate, where you would hide in trenches and run across no man's land, but there were a ton of fun ways to play this game. You can be the classic grunt running around from objective to objective, or you could be a cavalry soldier and ride around on a horse. You can fly the Zeppelin or be a gunner in a tank. And you know, World War I tanks aren't the best, but it was still fun to drive them or even just be a crew member manning one of the guns. Planes were awesome too, as you could be up there dogfighting or flying the super slow bomber around. The bomber did require some patience. It was slow and tough to maneuver. However, it was extremely rewarding when you dropped a payload of death on enemies defending an objective. You could even fire big guns off of a battleship or an armored train. Some of these experiences you could only get in this exact game. And it was so nice looking back now to have classic infantry classes in this game too. Assault, medic, support, and scout. Personally, I loved being a scout in this game. Sniping was so cool, one of the most satisfying sniper experiences in a shooter. You could also fire a flare gun to reveal enemy locations, and just overall in the game, you can manually spot soldiers and vehicles as well, which was a very effective way to communicate with the rest of your team, especially if, you know, you're not all talking on the headphones. And then you had some elite classes that a player could pick up from a box just laying around on the map. Basically, it was first come, first serve. There's a total of five kits. One kit gave you a flamethrower. The sentry kit gave you armor and a big old machine gun. The tank hunter kit gave you a powerful weapon that could score heavy damage on both vehicles and infantry. The trench raider kit provides you with a trench club that you could bash enemies with with just one hit. And lastly, the infiltrator kit, which gives you a sawed-off shotgun and a grenade launcher. Just more more cool ways to play the game and potentially turn the tide of a battle for your team. In my opinion, the most underrated parts of this game though, however, come from the game modes. The game had quite a few modes, it did have the typical conquest, rush, domination, and team deathmatch, but operations and frontlines were the best in my opinion. Operations was a new mode which took place across multiple maps and basically simulated an entire battle from the war. The attacking team would have a battalion of troops, so a certain amount of respawn tickets, and that attacking team would have to capture multiple sectors on the map by securing control points. If the attackers were successful, then the game would load into another part of the main battle, which is basically another map. The attacking team wins if they capture all maps. The defenders can win if they eliminate all three battalions on the attacking side. The mode was cool because it was another way to learn about the battles. You know, during the loading screens, a soldier from whatever side you were on would talk about the battle, basically getting you prepped for the upcoming fight. 
It's also one of the few multiplayer modes that I have played where I actually feel like I was truly in a battle. And, you know, and advancing or having to retreat depending on what side of the conflict I was on. And it was more than just constantly capturing and defending points A, B, and C. And the maps were beautifully designed. Some maps would allow you to defend or storm a fort. There's other sectors where you would be battling in the trenches or in a bombed out village. There's machine gun emplacements scattered around the area. There's AA guns scattered around as well. And the last cool thing to bring up is the behemoths. These are large multi-person vehicles that spawn in to help the attacking team if they were struggling. They also pop in for the losing team in conquest matches. The behemoths include an airship, an armored train, and a battleship. What spawns depends on the map you're on. It's cool because somebody could be controlling the behemoth and then you'll have a couple of your teammates manning the weapons. And then you had front lines that came in a DLC later on in the game's lifespan, and it was basically a tug of war game mode. Both teams start at the center of the map, and the goal is to continue to capture the sectors and push the enemy back to their base, and then ultimately you destroy their base to win the match. I like these two modes because it truly felt like I was playing a war game. War is literally capturing and defending territory, and the experience varied depending on the location of the fighting. Battlefield 1 did a very good job with simulating that in this game. It truly felt like I was in World War 1. I. I was on a battlefield, not just in a little map running from point A to point B, then, you know, repeating that process like I said earlier. The last thing I want to talk about is this game's live service. I have nothing but praise for it. Wow, it's kind of kind of feels weird to actually compliment live service. This game featured a premium pass, and yes, it was back in the day a whopping $50, but it came with a lot. Also, I think at the time when I purchased it, during the game's lifespan, in the middle of it, I think it was knocked down to $35 on sale or you know on a special discount or something. And I bought it, like I said, in the middle of the game's lifespan, and then I got to enjoy a ton of extra content. Overall, the game's live service included four expansion packs, new armies like France and Russia, 16 multiplayer maps, new operations and other game modes, new elite classes, 20 new weapons, some more vehicles, and even some battle packs and dog tags. Like, holy shit, this is a lot. This game felt fresh to play every single time I played it, and I have special memories because I was in college at the time, renting out a house with five other buddies of mine who all were Battlefield fans, so we'd be playing this game almost every night, putting a ton of hours in, and honestly, we never grew tired of this game because, again, it felt like every four months or so, they were coming out with another one of these expansion packs, and again, a little bit of everything that I just listed. I just can't believe that going forward, they would screw this up again in Battlefield 5 in 2042. It just blows my mind. It's crazy how they found the right formula and then they just tossed it away. Battlefield 1 is easily my favorite game in the franchise and also one of my favorite multiplayer shooters of all time. Everything about the game was great. Yes, there were battle packs, aka loot box things in this game, but this game offered plenty of other content and really the content that's the most important, stuff that mattered like weapons, vehicles, guns, game modes, maps, all that stuff that I care about more for the gameplay experience. And honestly, I don't know many people that dislike this game other than those that really didn't have an interest in the World War I conflict, which is fair. I just really appreciated DICE's effort to not only make a fun game that would last a few years, but they also found a way to describe the seriousness of the war. They did find a few ways to pay tribute to those that really fought in this thing, you know, over a hundred years ago. And it reminded me of Call of Duty World at War. Yes, we play these games for fun, but we should also remember the tragic impact from these wars. 
Well, tell me, did you like Battlefield 1? Let's have a conversation in the comments section, and be sure to do the usual like the video and subscribe if you are new here, and also you can find my content on podcasting platforms, just Google Analyze This Podcast, you'll find me anywhere on the podcasting streaming sites. Also, I am on X and TikTok, X at Analyze This underscore YT, and TikTok at Analyze This 54 underscore YT. Thanks again, and take care.